0: Good morning. Great to be back with everyone on a Sunday morning. Me and Elaine were talking, and we can't decide exactly how long it's been since we've been here on a Sunday morning, but it's been a few weeks, so we're excited to be back again with the family here studying God's Word together. You might remember in the gospel meeting a few weeks ago, however long ago that was, we went through 1st and 2nd Peter. And it reminded me of something that came up when I taught the middle school class about a year ago. Because the middle schoolers, they were studying through the Old Testament. And I taught one of the quarters. And when I was teaching, we had a lesson on the priesthood. Who are the priesthood? What did they do? Why are they important to know about? And then we ask the question together, well, who are the priests today? And then I went to 1 Peter chapter 2, and if you want to look at that together, that's where we'll start today. 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'll just read verses 4 through 10. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we read this in the middle school class, and I'm like, see... We, today, as Christians, we are a priesthood of sorts today, a royal priesthood in, through the church today. And I felt pretty good about that. And then one of the middle schoolers, I can't remember who it was now, I wish I could, but it was a year ago. One of the middle schoolers looked me dead in the eye and then asked, Okay, if we're a priesthood, what's our job as priests? And I just sat there. I, was, I wasn't ready for that question. Um, and I, I kind of went through and I was like, well, it says that we're supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices, but that's pretty vague. So I kind of just boiled it down that we're supposed to serve God and serve other people. And I left it at that. Um, and that, while being a correct answer, is a really vague one. And so I've come in part to redeem myself a little bit. And we're gonna look a little bit at what the priest's job is today. But we're just gonna, that's a big topic. You could talk for days and days and days about everything priests did. So we're just gonna look at one thing that priests did today. One that I don't think we talk about enough. And that is in number six. Number six, where we see this priestly blessing or priestly prayer. I should say at the beginning, I'm going to use those terms interchangeably. Number six never explicitly calls itself a prayer, but it is the priest asking God on behalf of the people. So I think that qualifies as a prayer. So if you hear me use those terms back and forth, that's why. But today we're going to look At really one job of the priest. And we're just going to look at how that can apply to us as this royal priesthood today. So if you want to look with me in number six, we're going to read verses 22 through 27 and look at this priestly blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses saying... Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So let's break this down a little further. The first thing that I want us to notice about this prayer is that it was given to Aaron and his sons, which you probably know that is the high priest, Aaron, and other priests, some of the other priests, his sons. So this is a prayer given by God to the priests. And therefore, in a sense, using 1 Peter, a prayer given by God to us. But the second thing I want you to notice is that this is not a blessing for the priests. Instead, look at who the focus is on who the recipient of this blessing is. Thus you, the priest, shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them. So this is a priestly blessing for the people, for others in God's chosen nation. In other words, this is not a prayer focused on me, this is not focused on what I want, what I need. This is focused outwardly. This is focused towards what the others in God's people need. And I think that's very important. It's a prayer focused on how God can help you. God can help others. But Let's look at what this prayer for others is really about because it is really Deep This is not a prayer that I hope you have a good day. This is not a blessing that I really hope you get a restful night's sleep. This is a thoughtful and comprehensive set of blessings. First, they're inviting God to bless the people, inviting God to show Israel love and mercy and give them life. God bless you. But the prayer doesn't stop there. It is powerful enough to say, God bless you. That is is an amazing enough thing to say, God bless you. And that is an important thing to do. But the prayer keeps going. It says also, God keep you, which is to say, God protect you from danger And from evil. If you want to turn to Psalm 121, I think Psalm 121 gives a much better summary of what it means for God to keep than I could. Psalm 121, and we'll just start in verse 1. Here's what a picture of God keeping the people would look like I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. For the Lord is your keeper. ...of God keeping you. This is a 24-7, the creator of the universe... ...watching over you and protecting you. God ensuring your well-being... ...both from physical dangers... ...but also from all evil... ...from we would say spiritual dangers. So the first part of this blessing... ...the Lord bless you and keep you... ...is already very profound... It already encompasses basically all things. It's saying God give you good things. God give you good things freely and overflowingly, but also God keep you from danger. God keep you from evil continually. The first part of this prayer already essentially asks for complete coverage from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. But next, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. This is a common phrase in the Psalms. It's not unusual to hear the Lord make his face to shine upon you. But if you really had to sit and think for a second about what that means, what would you say? Because I think, I I mean, I've heard this phrase mostly in number six pretty frequently in my life. But I had never really stopped to think, what does that even mean? The Lord make his face to shine upon you. I, I know it's a good thing, but that's about as far as I got. But if you look in the Psalms, this phrase, God's face shining on the people comes up over and over again, and it is paired with a wide variety of other blessings. I'm going to kind of hit some of these rapid fire because there's a few to go through. So I'll put them all on the screen if you're a note taker. But Psalm 80 repeats this phrase over and over again, three times as sort of a chorus in verse three. Verse 7 and verse 19. It says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So God's face shining in Psalm 80 is paired there with restoration and redemption and salvation of the people. In Psalm 119, Verses 134 through 136. The phrase is again paired with redemption and protection. But also with a love for God's word. And a love for following him. It says there, uh, redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. So God's face can shine on us and redeem us through his word. In Psalm 31, we also see God's face shining as an act of his steadfast love and as an act of his justice. So over and over again, we see God's face shining on his people as an act of recreation, Through God's love and through God's mercy and through God's justice and through his word, he renews his people, both physically and spiritually. God's face shining on you, God's lifting his countenance upon you, because that's a very similar phrase, are two of the greatest blessings God gives his people it is as if you are supposed to imagine the feeling of warmth of God's love shining on you. That's the picture. All of the blessings and saving power washing over you like sunlight. If you think about... You ever spent a whole bunch of time indoors, maybe sometimes, you know, you you work for a long period of time, you're inside, and then you walk out for maybe lunch break or something, and the sunbeam just hits over you. And that feeling of warmth, that feeling of joy, that's the idea here. Except instead of it just being mere sunlight, it is the light of God's love and blessings washing over you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord give favor to you and make his countenance upon you. And then in the parallel blessing, oh, wait, I'm skipping ahead. I'm going to look first at uh, what's followed there uh, this blessing of grace the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. A blessing that God will freely give his people life and redemption and mercy and his power unto salvation. If you want to turn over to Hebrews, the author of Hebrews uses a very similar picture in Hebrews 4 when talking about Our high priest and King Jesus, and how we come before God in prayer. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 says it this way Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews says that we, like the priest in Numbers, can be confident when we approach God asking for his free gift of grace. That we don't have to have any doubt because we know that God will send grace to us when we ask. That one of the very foundations of the throne of God and the high priesthood of Jesus is grace. That is one of the fundamental aspects of who God is that He gives grace to His people when they need it. So, in this prayer... So far, we've seen God recreating his people, God blessing the people, God keeping the people, shining the warmth of his love on them like the sun, continually renewing their being, abundantly and freely giving them grace and life while he watches over and blesses them. And it's almost like, and if all of that wasn't enough, if all of those blessings strung together wasn't enough, you get the parallel blessing right after that. The Lord lift his countenance upon you, which again is an almost identical phrase to what we looked at earlier, and then, and give you peace. If God protecting you and renewing you and shining his love on you and giving you grace wasn't enough, may he also give you peace. Peace. Peace is another one of those words that sometimes we have a very narrow view of what it means. Because I feel like if I pass the microphone around and ask, you know, what does peace mean to you? A lot of people will answer, peace is sort of the absence of fighting. It's where war is not. It's where conflict is not. That's what peace is. The biblical view of peace is much broader And much more deep. This isn't a prayer that God keep you from conflict. This is a prayer using peace in the perfect sense that Isaiah 26 uses. The the biblical concept of peace goes far beyond just not conflict. When the Bible talks about peace, it talks about God healing his people making them prosper, and best of all, bringing them into a proper relationship with Him. In Isaiah 32, if you want to turn over there, Isaiah 32 talks about the time of the Messiah, when God sends His messianic King, who is our King and High Priest Jesus, and towards the end of the chapter we see the blessings of what happens when God sends his king and the spirit of God comes to the people. And in verses 16 through 18, here's what it says. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quiet and trust forevermore. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Those who follow God will be granted perfect peace, eternal trust, a secure rest, and best of all, a relationship with the very Spirit of God. This perfect peace is complete spiritual and physical and mental well-being, the perfect harmony between God the Creator and us, the created. It is again an all-encompassing blessing of being in God's people. And so the end of this wonderfully crafted priestly prayer is in addition to all of these things, the blessings and protection and renewal and grace, may God give you a perfect, restful, secure, eternal relationship with him. This, the blessings of this prayer, it doesn't really get much better than that. The complete joy and bliss that can only be found in a relationship with God. That's what the priests were instructed to pray for the people. But before we move on to application, I just want to notice again the purpose of this prayer that God gives the priest. If you're back in number six, God says here's the purpose of this prayer in verse 27 so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. For the priests to put God's name on the people, to remind them of who their God is and what he has promised to do for them. Because in many ways, this prayer asks God to do what he already says he's going to do. It asks God to fulfill the promises that he says he's going to. Because all throughout Scripture, you see God promise to bless the people. You see God promise to give grace to the people. You see God promise to give peace to those who follow him. You see God promise to let his, make his face shine upon his people. These are all things that God has already said throughout Scripture he will do for those who follow him. This prayer isn't anything new. This prayer isn't a requirement to try to get these blessings from God because God's already giving them. The purpose of this prayer is to remind the people what God has promised to do and has already done and will continue to do. To put God's name on the people. To remind them of who their God is and why that. Matters. Your God watches over you. Your God protects you. Your God gives you grace and peace and all sorts of blessings. These are all the ways that your God continually and freely and abundantly gives to you. Don't forget that. Because if you remember who God really is, you're going to want to serve Him. And if you remember who your God really is, you're going to want to reflect that same love and grace and mercy and peace to others. This prayer, this blessing that God gives the priest, it cuts to the heart because it reminds you of the very character of God and it is an invitation for us to model ourselves after him. It is an invitation for us to join in those blessings that God offers. Number six is a beautiful passage and a very deep one that definitely deserves our attention, way more than we normally think about it. But let's come back to our original question. So if we are, as 1 Peter 2.9 says, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, if we are God's priests today, what's our job as priests? And while that is a multifaceted question with many different possible answers, I just want to focus on this part of Numbers 6 today because First Peter kind of gives us a little bit of the hint of the answer that we are made a royal priesthood so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light so that you can tell others so that you can share that light with others so that we can offer the the spiritual sacrifice of God of the fruit of our lips, the praise of our mouth. And I think in part that's exactly what Numbers 6, the prayer there, does. Part of our duty as God's royal priesthood is to pray like these priests did in Numbers 6. And I'm not saying it has to be these exact words. But I am saying that our prayers for others need to hit this purpose. I want you to notice the prayers in number six, it isn't like the prayers we normally pray for others, or at least not the prayers that I normally pray for others. Take two seconds to think about when you're praying for others, why are you doing it? What are you praying for? I think for the majority of us, and I won't claim to speak for all of us, we pray for things like when when they're sick or when they have a loved one who's sick, when they're going through some hard time or they have a big decision to make. All of those are good and valuable and scriptural prayers that we should keep praying. But number six calls us to even a higher standard in our prayers for each other. The priestly prayer in number 6 was not given on a specific purpose or a specific occasion when this happens pray this prayer. It wasn't given on a specific day when this day comes pray this prayer. It is a continual thus you shall bless the people you shall say to them. This is not situational. This is not conditional. It kind of feels like the author of Hebrews saying that we should encourage each other as long as the day is called today. That's the same impression I get from this prayer in number six. When should we be praying this sort of blessing? Always. Always. So if you're praying for the sick and the mourning and those going through tough times, great, keep doing that. That is a great thing. Add this sort of prayer to your prayer for others. Pray this prayer for everyone. Pray this for the family that sits in the back that you don't know very well because they always have to rush out right after service. Pray this for the person that sits on the other side of the auditorium that you don't always remember their name, but you know their face. Pray that God blesses and protects them and renews them and give them grace and peace. And when you do that, he will bless them. But notice again, this prayer has a greater purpose. Number six says to put God's name upon his people. First Peter says to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So don't just pray these things. Tell people that you're praying this for them. Get used to saying, Hey Sam, I just wanted to let you know this week that I'm praying that God gives you grace and peace. Get used to saying, Hey Alexis, this week I'm going to be praying that God blesses and protects you. Get used to saying, Hey, Skip, this week I'm going to be praying that God blesses you freely and continually. Because when we do that, not only are we encouraging the group as we're commanded to do, not only are we strengthening the unity here as a family, which we are commanded to do, but we're reminding the people here of who our God is, what he has promised to do, and what he will do for them. The promises that he made that he will assuredly keep. Do you see how powerful that is? To put God's name on the people. To remind them of his blessings and say, keep striving for him. I'm praying for you. Just because I love you and I want God to bless you. Because our God is faithful to bless and to save. And you're probably going to get some weird, awkward looks. That's not a normal thing. It feels a little weird to say that. But I guarantee if you take this step to put God's name upon his people, you will see the results. You will see a group reminded of the strength and peace and love that we have both in God and in the priesthood here. You will see a group much better equipped for the service of our high priest. So maybe that answers some of the question that that middle schooler asked me a year ago. I hope it does. So this is my prayer for you. I'm going to go through the directory this week. I'm going to try to remember all those here this week, and I'm going to say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I just ask, as you go about your busy week, take some time pick out a few people that you don't normally pray for and pray this for them too. Let us pray and then be dismissed to our classes. Father, thank you for bringing us from not a people to your people. And not only your people, but a royal priesthood to you. Help us to better serve you and to better serve others. Help us to seek to reflect your grace and love and life and peace to everyone that we meet, especially to those in your kingdom. Help us to remember your blessings and to remember our relationship with you and help us to keep them before us continually so that we may seek to honor you. Father, I pray this for all those in the family here. Please bless them freely and abundantly. Protect them both from the evil of this world and also the spiritual evils around them. Renew them continually, revive their spirits, give them grace and life and peace and a full relationship with you. I pray this in your son, our high priest and king's name. Amen.